0: Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright Hey, well, I want to say a really big welcome to everybody that's joining us online today. If you've never been to church before, I'm so glad that you can join us today. Boy, what a crazy year it has been. We had a a kind of a wild start to 2020, and we actually themed the year for 2020 as a church, Lead the Change. And we thought that that was really important because I don't know if there's ever been a more important time than to have great leaders. We need great leaders in our state, we need great leaders in our cities, we need great leaders in our nation, we need great leaders in churches, we need great leaders uh, everywhere in schools. And really, just so you know, leadership is simply influence. And the, the thing is, and you may not understand this, but everybody has that. You may not consider yourself to be a great leader. Maybe you just have a few friends around you, but everyone has influence. And this is the thing that we understand about influence. It actually doesn't affect just the people around you, but it actually moves through them. And influence touches your friends, 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 friends. So everyone has an impact on the world around them. Well, today we're starting a new series, and I'm so excited about that series. It's called Live Like. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at six characters in the Bible, six great leaders who learned from God and led people through very difficult times and seasons. And the entire point of this whole series is this, is if we can learn from the past, we can lead in the future. And I'm going to kick off this message today by talking about Noah. And I feel like everyone would know Noah uh feels like everyone would have heard the story about Noah and what happened in the Bible. And this story is kind of a little bit personal for me, and I'll tell you why. Because Noah is actually my great 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 grandfather okay he was yours too in case you didn't know in fact he kind of has to be everybody's because from this family they started to populate the earth again anyway i'm going to jump into the story i want to read to you out of genesis chapter six i'm going to begin in verse five here's what it says the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favour In the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Man, that's kind of discouraging. Don't tune out yet, because the story gets better, I promise. But but it's it's pretty serious, you know? I remember um I remember years ago I was playing basketball and we were playing. Uh, against the team, and I've never had a game like this before. But you know, we got to about half time, and I'm Pretty sure that neither team had scored over 10 points. And that's just embarrassing. I mean, if you're playing basketball and you can't score like 10 points in half a game, right, it's embarrassing. So our team hadn't scored 10. They hadn't scored 10. I know we started a little late that day, but it's just kind of crazy. And so here we are at halftime and everyone's pouring sweat and we've been working hard. And, And if you had just looked at us, we looked like we were working hard, right? And I was feeling okay about the game until I looked up and I looked at the scoreboard. It was incredibly demoralizing to look at it, you know. You, you need a good scoreboard in life because a scoreboard will let you know how you're really going. It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters what the score is. You need something to give you a genuine reflection of where you're at. Let me put it to you like this. you got to be careful where you take your cue in life. you got to be careful where you take your cue in life. Like I have, this, um, I have this Apple Watch and I, I remember, you know, this is only a couple of weeks ago, I got up in the morning and I walked to the kitchen and I made some breakfast and I spent some time in my office just studying whatever I was doing. And then I walked back to the kitchen and You know i made some lunch for the kids i had to walk to the car that day got in the car took them to school brought them back and then i walked from the garage back to my office i was working from home and i was working there i might have made some lunch but around about three o'clock my watch went off and i have this Uh, feature in the Apple Watch that kind of lets me know how fit I am or how much I've been doing with my day. And it's meant to count my steps and all the rest of it. It's about three o'clock in the afternoon and it sends me a little notification. And I look at it and it said, you're doing great. And I thought, you're lying to me, Apple Watch. Thank you, Mr. Apple, right? You're doing great. Are you kidding me? Like doing great? If I was to take my cue from Mr. Apple, if I was to look at that and think that I was doing great, I could get up in the in, you know, on any day, basically do no exercise, do nothing and feel like I was doing great. So you got to be careful where you take your cue from because it starts to direct how you lead your life. And in the story that we read today in Genesis chapter 6, God is giving us an accurate reflection of humanity's scoreboard. And I got to tell you, they were losing and like bad, like losing bad. In fact, the words that are used there, it says the heart of man, every intention of the heart. The original word there for the word heart is leb. And it means your mind and your emotions and your will. That's what they meant when they would say heart in the Hebrew. And so it says everyone's mind and their uh, their will and their emotions. It says it was evil, like continuously, and like everyone was included in this. Like all of them were evil. Here's the crazy thing: Noah is the tenth generation from Adam. So humanity hasn't really even been on the earth that long. And already at this point, we see this major problem moving through all of humanity and affecting them. And the major issue was a problem called sin. And sin started back in the Garden of uh, Eden. You had Adam and Eve and they were told that they weren't allowed to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if they did on the day that they eat of it, they shall surely die. And sin happened when they decided, not just to entertain the idea, but when they said, well, we're not gonna do life the way that you've asked us to do it, God. And they they kind of turned their backs on God and they said, we're gonna do it our own way. And that's where sin really started. And, and For those of you that wouldn't really be aware of what sin is, not just moral failure, oh boy, it's so much bigger than that. Let me make it kind of easy for you. There are a few categories that sit within sin. So most of the time, if you would ask people what it is, they would say, oh, that's when you do bad stuff, right? It's like when you do the bad stuff. Well, that would be the sins of commission. So when you do something that's wrong, when you do something that's not right, But there is this whole other category, and it's called the sins of omission. That's when you're supposed to do something good, and you're not doing it. So you can't just live a life by avoiding all the bad stuff. There's some stuff that you're supposed to do as well. And so all of this stuff together, you know, turning their backs on God and, and, and doing life their own way and not wanting to follow after God, there was this problem called sin. It sweeps through the generations of humanity from Adam all the way into Noah's day. And this is where the Noah finds himself. This is a serious problem. I mean, Sin, uh, it it spreads faster than coronavirus and it has a 100% fatality rate. That was the penalty to pay for sin. And so God looks at all of this and He says, you know what? I'm starting again. Because as I look at humanity, they are just filled with evil and filled with violence. And He sees down into the future and He says, we cannot continue on this trajectory we are starting this whole thing again. Here's the really interesting thing. Like I just kind of imagined that if you were alive in Noah's day and you went to all the people that were on the earth at that point and you had said to them, hey, are you evil? I feel like they would have said, evil? What are you talking about? Man, we're, we're not evil. Like this is just normal. Like this is just life. Like, this is just culture. This is not evil. This is just the way that stuff is. This is the way that we do life. That's not evil. It's so interesting because culture influences our thinking about what's good and what's not, what's right, and what's wrong. And you have got to see this. Like, you have got to understand this. If you think that you have a sense and an idea about what's right or what's wrong and you take your cue from culture, you have been dramatically influenced by it. Every single person is influenced by the culture that they're surrounded by and there is a major problem with this. But just before I even get to that, consider this. I want you to consider how life has really changed over the last, let's just even say 100 years. You think about it. In the last 100 years, life has transformed dramatically. And I'll give you some good examples. You know, today, for people to be living together and not be married, we call that, what do we say? It's a de facto relationship. That's, that's what we say officially. It's, they're in a de facto relationship. If you go to 100 years back and, and, and try to explain to them that it was okay for people to live together and not be married and that a lot of people were doing it, they probably would have been horrified by it. They would have said, that is so bad. That's so wrong. Well, that's because 100 years ago, the culture was totally different. They looked at things differently. And everyone, you asked them, they would have said, well, that is wrong. And I guess it's not like they didn't know that, you know, those things would happen from time to time. But but the culture as a whole, it just wouldn't have embraced it it's funny how we just reverse things sometimes so you go 100 years back and you ask people about smoking and they would have said oh we're smoking well that's great everybody smokes that's actually a good thing to do if you had to look at the marketing campaigns that they had even 100 years ago it would be things like you know hey if you smoke it'll cure your cold everyone should smoke and it's safe and it's not harmful in fact if you're if you're a smart intelligent person then you would smoke fast forward to today what do we see People aren't allowed to smoke in restaurants. You're not allowed to smoke in planes. You're not allowed to smoke in, in within a certain distance from a building. At least you're not allowed to do that in Australia. And so our culture has completely flipped it. Well, smoking was okay. Now it's not okay in the same way that it was back then. It's funny how things just begin to shift and change over time. Like consider this, right? So today, a lot of people have tattoos, but back a hundred years ago, who had tattoos? Oh, probably uh, criminals and sailors. And I don't know, maybe you don't want to be either one of them, you know? So if you've got a tattoo back then, people would kind of, maybe they just walk the other way down the street. Maybe they just cross the road when they see somebody with tattoos because they are some kind of criminal or unsavory person, you know? Today, it's just not even like that. You look around and gosh, a lot of people have tattoos. There's nothing really morally wrong with it. It's not a biblical thing. Everyone's got tattoos. And in fact, even today, you see a lot of pastors that have got tattoos. I mean, you know, like if you're a pastor and you don't have a MacBook and you don't have a tattoo, are you really even a Christian? Come on, you know, like it's just... Look, the point is, is that, you know, life is just totally transformed and changed. Our culture is different. Consider this. Back until the year 1981, it was illegal for a homosexual man to be in a relationship with another man. Here we are today. That's totally different. In fact, two homosexual men are able to get married now. Well, back then, if you had said back 100 years ago that today that would be accepted, they would have been horrified by it. But today, what happens? It's just becoming more normal. And we will raise children in this culture and this day and this age. And as, you know, little babies are being born now, they'll grow up in a world where that's all they've ever known. And what was once maybe foreign for us, because we lived on both sides of it, is now just becoming more normal. See, the culture changes all of the time. Look at gender roles. You know, it's not that there was anything necessarily wrong with the husband being at uh, work and the wife being at home and looking after the kids, but that's not how life is today. I mean, sometimes if the wife has a better paying role or, or, you know, uh, she wants to work and the husband's at home with the kids, or maybe they're not even married. I mean, that's, that's, that's where we are right now. My point is simply this. Culture continues to shift and change. So, if your idea of what is good or bad or right or wrong is depending on the culture that you got that you're living in, you got to understand that's a shifting. Uh, that's a shifting culture. It's, it's, it's changing, it's changing all of the time. And if you only take your cue from the culture, then good becomes really what's just morally acceptable. And God says, nope, nope, that's not how I do it. And God doesn't do that because, well, God has standards. That's not unusual. Everyone has standards. I mean, let's imagine this. Let's say you're a single lady, and you are looking for Mr. Right. And you end up going on a date with this guy. And when he shows up at your house, and he knocks on your door, you open the door, and he's standing there, but he's not—doesn't really look like he's dressed up for the event. And you look down, and you realize he's not even wearing shoes. You're like, you know what? That's weird, but— You know, maybe he was in a rush. I can get past that. That's not a big deal. I'm not going to judge somebody, you know, just because they're not wearing shoes. You you go out to dinner and, you know, you start trying to have a conversation with this guy. Could this be the one that you marry? Could it be the one, you know? Is this the one that you're going to marry and take home to mom and dad and show to your family and your friends? Is this Mr. Right? You know, and you're trying to find out if he's Mr. Right, but it's really hard because he's just on his phone the whole time and he's scrolling through his feed and he's not talking to you and he's not paying attention to you and you're like i don't know like i'm trying to have some kind of connection here like we're trying to have a, a a conversation could you just put the phone down for just a minute and and so that we could get to know each other and then you get to the end of the meal and he turns and he says to you well hey i don't even i don't really have a job and i don't have any money so you're gonna have to pay for this you know and you hear those words and and, and at some point there's a place where you go, you know what? I don't think you missed Mr. Right. And you would say that because somewhere in the middle of no shoes and the ignoring and, you know, not letting... Uh, you're not maybe not it's not that he didn't offer to pay but he never intended to pay and you, you look at all of these things together and you say you know what i think you've just kind of crossed the line there somewhere in fact you've crossed the line so bad i'm not even going to tell anyone that we went on a date i'm not putting this on facebook i will never take you to mom and dad and if anybody ever asks me did we go on a date the answer will be no so why would you do that because you've got some kind of standard well guess what God's got standards too. Big FYI, God has standards. And His standards, they're not your standards. And they're not my standards. They are His standards. And He has an idea about the way in which human beings should live. And so we come to this place where Noah is in his time, in his age. And God says, I'm going to start again. I'm gonna start again because the earth is filled with violence, but he finds this one righteous guy, this one righteous guy that they call Noah. And he says, this guy, I'm gonna choose him. I'm gonna work with him. And this is really interesting because there's only a few times that God would, would come and say, this person is a, is a righteous person. So you hear that Noah's a righteous person and then you think, oh, well, it's pretty easy to figure out why God decided to work with him. It's because Noah was righteous. But hang on a sec, let me just explain this. Noah wasn't righteous because he was perfect. Like, like Noah wasn't more special than anyone else in the, the, his day. Like Noah had made mistakes. Noah had sin in his life. He'd, he'd had his own challenges. He had had his own problems. So, so what made Noah stand out from everyone else? It's because Noah listened to God and Noah walked with God. That's what we read. And because he listened to Him and he walked with Him, even though he wasn't perfect, he found favour in God's eyes. And because he found favour in God's eyes and he listened with Him and he walked with Him, right, he credited to him some righteousness. He gave it to him. Noah wasn't self-righteous. It was something that was given to him. And this wouldn't be unusual in the sense that someone had to be given righteousness in order for God to work with them. In fact, the exact same thing is said about Abraham. Exactly the same thing because he believed God and he walked with God. One of the things that we need to understand is that God's standard is, is impossible to meet unless we receive His grace to meet it. It's impossible to meet the standard that's set. Just if if you want to know, the standard is sinless perfection. And there is not anyone that I know of in all of history except for one person that was able to live like that. God's standard is impossible without His grace. And that, that is exactly what the Bible is all about. See, God still continues to work with people that have got sin in their lives, that have made mistakes in their lives. He gives them a measure of grace and there is no greater measure that you could find than the gospel itself. The fact that Jesus would, 2,000 years after these moments or thousands of years after this, thousands of years later that, that Jesus would come and that He would die on the cross for the sins of people, for the sins of the world. And the Bible says that if you believe that what Jesus did when He lived the perfect life that you could never live and He died on the cross, if you believe that He paid the penalty for your sins, He does what's called an exchange. And what happens is, is He gives you all of His righteousness and He takes all of your sins. And because of that, all your sin has already been punished on the cross. And now you get righteousness from Him. It's given to you. The word that we would use for that, just a little teaching lesson here, is what we call imputed. It's imputed righteousness. It's given to you. You didn't get it on your own. This is what God does to work with people. And so God comes to this person, Noah, who has received His righteousness. So that's why, I mean, gosh, you can never be a self-righteous person when you're a Christian because you got to know it came from God Himself. That's how you got to be where you are. And so God comes to Noah and He comes in and He says, Hey, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And Noah said, that is so good, you know. That's exactly what I've been thinking. Build an ark. Yes. Our life has been arkless, you know? Like we we absolutely need an ark. Yes. Yes, God, I'm with you. We're building an ark. Let's make it. Let's build it. Just What is an ark? What's an ark? He doesn't know what an ark is. Of course, how, how is Noah going to know where what an ark is? You know it's if you look back in Noah's day, it's kind of hard to know exactly where Noah might have been living because after the flood, after the flood happened, all the tectonic plates and everything had shifted and land masses moved around. And so we don't really know exactly where Noah was, but I could tell you one thing that's inter- interesting. There are over 200 ancient cultures that point back to a global flood in their own history. In fact, the flood is one of the most well-documented ancient things that has happened. And so there are so many accounts of this, but here is Noah and he's never seen a flood And he's never really built a boat. He doesn't really know what that is. And he is building this thing. And if you look at the scriptures and you work out how long it probably took him to build, it's maybe 55 to 75 years. He is building the biggest boat he's never seen in his life. And that takes commitment. Can you imagine building an ark But 75 years, I mean, imagine it gets to year 10 and you're like, we we have a long way to go. And, and, you know, this this seems kind of crazy, but God said, you know, come on, God said. Year 25, it's been 25 years. And I've still seen nothing like what God said is coming. You get to year 50, come on, this is 50 years. Are you kidding me? 50 years, he's building a boat and and he doesn't even really understand everything that's about to unfold. But like, here he is, 50 years, he's building a boat, 75 years to build a boat. Are you kidding me? That takes great faith, incredible faith. And you gotta remember that Noah, he's got no Bible. I mean, like when when we read the Scriptures, we look back and we say, ah, I see what you did with them. And I see what you did with him. And I see what you did with her. And so we know kind of who you are, God, so we can make a judgment on your character based from what we've seen in history and the Scriptures. Not Noah. Noah has no Bible. Noah has the voice of the Spirit of God that's speaking to him. And he's just following a voice that's speaking to him, saying, come on, don't quit. Keep building. I'm telling you, the day is coming. He just obeys and He looks crazy. Come on, He must look crazy to everyone. And that's what it's like sometimes when you obey the voice of God. It can kind of look crazy. It's just what it is sometimes. It can look crazy and and, and people don't necessarily understand everything that you're doing because God has asked you to step out and do something in faith. It's just what it is sometimes to follow God. Man, following God, you got to understand there'll be times where you encounter opposition. There'll be times when people say you're crazy. There will be times when people say you don't know what you're talking about, right? But if you've heard the voice of God and it really is Him, then you got to keep building what He's put in your heart. you got to keep growing what He's developed and, and, and growing everything that He's given you vision for. Man, when, when I decided to become a pastor, and, and, and lead a church, I, I did it, you know, because I thought, man, it seems like, you know, a really easy job. Everyone will love you all of the time. Uh, no one will ever disagree with you and the pay is outstanding. I mean, four great reasons to become a pastor. No, no, none of that is true. In fact, this job, what I do, this, this life, is moving in the opposite direction to our culture. And if I do this well, and you're listening to me, and you do this well, you'll move in the opposite direction that our culture is moving in. What does that mean? It means you're going to encounter opposition you're gonna hear voices that say you go this way and you're gonna have voices that you hear say go that way. You need to choose who you're going to listen to because it matters. If you look at the Scriptures and you, you, you read this story about Noah and understand who he is, he would have been a voice calling people to move in one direction while all of culture was saying go in another direction. In fact, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he wrote a letter. It was his second letter. They called it 2 Peter. It's pretty easy to find in the New Testament, 2 Peter. And if you read what he says in chapter 2 and verse 5, he says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I thought, preacher of righteousness? Let me flick back here, Genesis chapter 6. I don't see anything in Genesis chapter 6 that tells me about the preaching that Noah did. But if you look at the, the words that Peter uses in the Greek, it's karux. And that word means someone who announces. There was something about Noah that was announcing the message that God had put on his heart. Come on. You, 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 you cannot build an ark for 75 years and not attract a little attention. I mean, there must have been people always walking up and saying, Noah, hey, crazy Noah, you're scaring all the normals, right? Noah, this is, this is wild. You've been building this thing for 50 years. You are so crazy. Why are you building this? Oh, because you heard a voice. Oh, you heard a voice and it told you what to do. I remember you said that, okay? Noah has to choose who he's going to listen to. And he chooses, and everything that he does begins to send a message to the culture around him. See, it's not just what you say, but how you live your life that sends a message. And there's a measure or a degree to which how you live your life begins to influence the world that's around you. So I remember like, you know, years ago, I was working in a job. I'd been there for six months, and this person came up to me that I didn't know very well. And they came up to me and they accused me of being a Christian. They said, are you a Christian? And I said, uh, actually, I am a Christian. I said, why, why would you say that to me? And they said, well, I've noticed you. I've seen that. Uh, well, I've, I've never seen you say a, a swear word. And I said, what? I said, six months you've been watching. I don't say anything and, and, and you're accusing me of being a Christian because of that. I mean, you know, come on. I wasn't trying to, I was just being me. I wasn't trying to do anything special or do anything different. I'm just trying to be myself. But there's something about being who you are that sends a message to the people that are around you. There's a, there's a way in which how you live your life Begins to impact the world that's around you. See, leadership is influence. So if you understand or you need to understand that your lifestyle, how you live, it's preaching your values, it's preaching your convictions, it's preaching a message, it's 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 passionate living that begins to send a message to everyone around you. Hey, listen, if you want to lead, you need to follow. Because every great leader that we read about in the Bible was also a follower of God. That's what these great people did. They were followers of God. They listened to His voice. They didn't listen to the voice of culture they didn't shift their moral standing based on what was that was surrounding them they they, they listened to God and if, if you think that this is easy I'm telling you right now what I'm talking about today this isn't easy this is this is hard this is difficult it's difficult sometimes to be one person in a culture that's trying to move in another direction. Because eventually you gotta understand, you're gonna encounter some opposition. And when you encounter opposition, people will say, hey, you're crazy. You're, you're going the wrong way. You're old fashioned. You don't think the way that culture today thinks. That's why it's so incredibly important that if you're gonna be a person who decides to follow Jesus, that your whole identity also needs to be in Jesus. You need to be who you are in Him. You need to believe His words about you because if you are subject to all the perspectives and the opinions of all the people that are around you, you may begin to shift your values to align with their standards. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to have a good influence on the world, that is the wrong way to do it. You got to listen to God you got to be someone that listens to Him and chases after Him and seeks His face. If you want to be like Noah, you don't need to be able, you just need to be humble. You don't need to be able, you just need to be humble. Noah didn't have it all together. He didn't have everything. If you look at what Noah did in the Bible, it's crazy. And he didn't do it because he was amazing or he had great leadership skills or great ability or great talent. It wasn't anything to do that. It wasn't even about his ability. It was, it was about his humility. It was about him just leaning on God, listening into to everything that God would say. And then in light of that, just continuing to walk it out, you've got to understand God supplies everything that you need. Noah had to surrender his ideas, his heart, his reputation. And I'm telling you right now, if you wanna make a difference in this world, you gotta do the same as Noah. Sometimes there'll come a place where you may need to surrender your heart And, and, and God will put something to you and you need to surrender your ideas in favour of His ideas. And yes, yes, there will be times where you may need to surrender your reputation, because everyone's moving in one direction, but you know that God is calling you to move in another. Crazy Noah, crazy Noah, building a boat in the middle of a forest or something. People walking up seeing crazy Noah. You seeing crazy Noah, he's still working on that boat. 75 years he's working on this boat that they call an ark. And then I imagined that there was this one day where it happened all of a sudden. Noah's in the ark, everything's shut up, all the animals inside with him. It starts to rain. And there would have been people, the culture, remember people walking around saying, gosh, it does feel like the rain is awfully heavy today, but it's okay. Water starts to rise, gets to their ankles. They're like, I will admit this is a heavy rainfall. There is a lot of precipitation today as we look around. Yes, there is a lot of rain, but we're okay starts to creep up to their knees i wonder if it ran about the time it got to their knees they're like i will admit that this is unusual but i think we're okay we'll climb a tree we'll seek higher ground everything will be okay we'll still be okay and it starts to rise more and more and suddenly homes are being swept and entire villages are being swept i wonder if there was a moment where one of those guys looked at the other guy and said you idiot i told you We should have listened to Noah. He's been saying this for 75 years and now here we are. If I could just get to the boat, it's too late for the boat. That ship has sailed Noah miles away and nothing to help these people in this time. I bet you if they could have had their time back, they would have said, oh, we would have lived so differently if it hadn't meant that we wouldn't have been swept away in this and you read the story and, and, and you think, this is so archaic. This is crazy. But what does this have to do with me? Story about a global flood. Story about people that were living wrongly and the culture being swept away. I mean, what does this really have to do with me? And the answer, it has everything to do with you. It has everything to do with you. Like so many stories in the Old Testament. Yes, they absolutely happened. But they also point to a future reality. See, there is coming a day where a storm will come. Now, when those rain clouds began to gather, when the storm came, it was God's judgment on humanity on the earth for what they've done wrong. And there is coming a day, another day, where Jesus will come back. It says when He comes back, he will return as He left, and He left like this, and He'll return like this. There is a day coming when Jesus will come back. And, you know, maybe you didn't, you don't go to church very often. Maybe you don't understand everything about Jesus, 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 meek and mild. That's the songs that you know. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Yeah, He's good. He's loving. He's gracious. But when He comes back, He's coming back to judge the earth. That's real. That's real. And that's going to happen. And you're like, oh, judgment? Oh, gosh, I hate this. Wait, wait, wait. Listen, imagine with me for one minute that you go to a car dealership. You buy brand new cars, the car of your dreams. And you drive it out of the car yard. You're You're 10 minutes down the road. Somebody drives straight into the back of you. Cannot believe it. I can't believe someone's crashed into me. You get out of your car. He gets out of his car. You expect that they're going to say sorry, but instead they say to you, why'd you stop so quick? You're like, are you kidding me? The, the light was red. I just put on my brakes. It's like, well, if you didn't stop so quick, then, then I wouldn't have run into the back of you. You're like, you're crazy. This is this is obviously your fault. He says, well, I say it's your fault. And you're like, that's not how this stuff works. You know, give me your details and, and, and then we'll let the insurance sort it out. And he says, oh, I'm not giving you my details. So you're like, give me your details. You need to do it. He says, I'm not giving you anything. And he gets in his car and he drives off. And before he drives off, you catch his number plate, you write it down and you, then you say, what do you say? I'll see you in court. And you're going to court this day to sort out this matter. And what is your hope? Your hope is that you will get a judge who will be able to discern between right and wrong. You're hoping you get a judge that's going to come and put everything right. That's what Jesus is coming to do. He's coming back to put everything right. He's coming back to make a judgment. And, and part of that sounds really good, but you've got to remember the standard that God has isn't the standard that we have. So there's this moment where we say, oh, so Jesus is coming back. What does that mean for me? Because I can't meet His standard. What am I gonna do? And it sounds horrible until you realise that Jesus isn't just the storm, He's the ark. He's the ark. He says, yes, I come back to judge the world, but I provide you salvation. I provide you a way out. I'm giving it to you. He's not just the storm. He's the ark. This is what I'm telling you. This is good news. This is what it's all about. In fact, His name, it means Jehovah is salvation. I've got to tell you the truth. The only hope that you have in the time to come is that you give your life to Jesus and you ask forgiveness for your sins. If you get anything from this message, let it be this. You cannot judge how good you are based on the world that you live in. God has another standard. And I'm telling you, it's impossible to meet. You will never meet God's standard, but you don't need to because there was one person who lived righteously. There was one person that did. His name is Jesus. And if you believe that what Jesus did on the cross was for you and you pray the prayer and you say, God, forgive me of my sins. I know I've done the wrong wrong thing, but I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Saviour right there in that moment. He will do the great exchange where He takes all of your sin and He gives you all of His righteousness, just like He did with Noah, He will do with you. This is so important that we understand this. And I want to pray for anyone today who says, firstly, I want to be a person that can live in this world, and this culture that I'm in right now, but continue to be someone that pursues you in spite of what's going on around me. Lord, give me the courage, give me the strength to be able to follow You, even in the midst of opposition. If that's You and You say, God, I I wanna be filled with the courage, please help me to do it, then I I wanna pray for You right now. So Father, I just pray for every single person that's hearing this message. It says, Lord, I wanna live with conviction. I want my life to send a message to the world around me. Yes, God, You are loving and You are gracious. And I pray, Lord, that I can live in pursuit of You, being loving and gracious to the world around me, but not ever compromising on what You've said or how I live. And Father, I pray for everyone who says that that's the way they want to live. I pray You help them. Fill them with Your Spirit. Fill them with courage. Lord, lead them, guide them. Let them live out of conviction. Let it change the world around them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.